Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and we're going to dive in today in Luke chapter number 11 and verse number 24 to begin with today as we kind of did a little synopsis of it yesterday afternoon at the end. We're going to really dive into it today because it's very important for us to understand this section of scriptures, though it is small, is very powerful. Three verses that apply both to those that be lost and more so to those that be saved. So we're going to get into this and a whole lot more today. Let's turn to the Lord and ask for His blessing upon us in prayer before we begin. Father, we are grateful for everything that you have done, for everything that you're doing, and for everything that you will do for us in the future. Lord, we pray that you give us wisdom today. We pray that we would have the sense of this that we're about to receive, that the Holy Spirit would give us understanding, Lord, so that we may continue to grow thereby. We understand, Father, as being your children, and more so as being Christians, that we are called to carry this gospel, that we are to proclaim our faith and to live it out. The only way that's going to be possible, Lord, is if we spend this time together daily studying from your word, growing uh, through the Spirit's guidance, and we give you thanks for this blessing. So lead us now, Lord, as we rejoice in thee. Amen. All right, guys, what a thrill it is. We're going to kick up in Luke chapter number 11, verse number 24, as we read down Luke eleven twenty four. You're going to find the scripture begins, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places, seeking rest. And finding none, he says, I will return unto my house from whence I came out. And when he comes, he finds it swept and garnished. Then he goes and, and takes to him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. This is, to me, anyways, I should say it that way, to me this is very clear about the dangers for believers. Now, lost folks, if you understand, I said at the very beginning, lost as well as saved, and a lot of times I'll say it that way because I'm simply trying to break somebody into understanding a concept. But the reality of these scriptures is not dealing with the lost at all. It would be expected that there be unclean spirits inside of lost people because the addictions that, that you desire of those, those unclean things, those things like alcohol that God has very much to say about, uh, those things like drugs and those things that would cause us to not be in our right mind, which we're called to have a sound mind by the scriptures as being the children of God, and so if we are doing something that is causing us not to have a sound mind, then that would be something evil or outside of the standard of what God considers good. And it's expected that the lost is, is going to have multitudes of unclean spirits within them and about them because they don't have Jesus. They don't have the connection of the faith. They don't have the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from every stain. They don't, they don't have the hope of salvation. So all they've got is the uncleanness. It's, it's, it's just that simple. Another way that Jesus teaches this is dealing with a pig. You, you take a pig out of the sty 
and you wash it and you clean it and you keep it in the house, it's going to be a, a kept pig, right? It's going to be clean. It's going to be a, a just, just a perfect little angel inside the house. But as soon as you let that pig outside, it's going to dive right back into the mud. It's going to dive right back into the sty from whence it came. And why? It's because it's never been changed. A pig is a pig. It's always going to be a pig. It's going to go right back to what pigs do. It's going to go right back no matter what environment you might change for the pig. The, the pig may change due to the environment, but always, if you give it back its original environment, it's going to go back to its original crud. <laughs> and, and that's the thing about man. In his non-transformed state, in his natural state, he's always going to be a sinner. He's always going to carry unclean spirits. He's always going to be wicked. Now, in a transformed state, he now has the opportunity to be able to live for God, to love God, to follow God, to serve God. He has the opportunity to be able to worship God and to, and to literally be transformed by the renewing of his mind. However, if he, he is not led, if he is not watched, if he is not cared for and discipled, what do you think is going to happen to that person? It doesn't mean that they're going to lose their salvation because that's something that God controls from his end. Once saved, then you are saved. I've already talked about that even as concerning Sunday. When, when the Holy Spirit enters you, you are sealed unto the day of redemption. You're, that, it's it. That's it. That, you're done. You are the purchased possession of the king. But you have to understand at that point you are carrying within you two natures. You still have that old nature of the flesh that desires to have its unclean spirits. And you now have this new nature of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you that desires a holy connection with his holy God through his holy word. But if you don't understand that and you don't have people that surround you that that help you and that guide you and that 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 work with you and that that want to to help you now that's another point is that there can be plenty of people around you that want to help you but if you pull away from them and you just you you don't want their help then it doesn't matter what they would want to do it's just like god if you're going to get into sin even though you're a child of god no matter what he might want to do, there's just nothing short of killing you that he could do to keep you from that sin. And you can now understand the broken heart of God. You see this, this fellow Christian or this fellow believer, I can't call him Christian yet, but this fellow believer who has just come into the faith and they're coming to church. And, and, and you're sharing with them and you pull them in and you, you invite them to classes and you, you, you meet them at the coffee shops and you, you, you pray with them and they call you and you answer them and, and, and you, you're working with them about three, four months, you start drifting away from you. Oh, how broken a heart is that? And you long to reach out to them and, and as you try to call them, they don't answer your calls anymore. As you try to meet with them, they don't... They don't want to hang out with you anymore. And then one day you bump into them at, at the food line or, or down at the coffee shop or out at Kroger's or in a Walmart somewhere. And, and, and as much as they want to get away from you, they stand there and say hello simply because that's what they need to do in order to be polite. 
And it makes you wonder, what in the world has happened? You came to Christ. You came to church. You, you, you started to grow in your faith, but you just pulled away. What has happened? Well, these three scriptures happened. Take a look. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, let's put this unclean spirit uh, going out of a man as a person who has met Jesus. They've come to Jesus, and, and he has cleansed them from every stain. He's cast that unclean spirit out of you to replace that, that uncleanness with his holiness as he saves you. And so when it's gone out of you, now you're a brand new creature, as, as Peter would say, you're a newborn babe. Well, we understand with little babies, praise God, we get it. So with little babies, they, they don't know how to talk, they don't know how to walk, they can't feed themselves, they can't clothe themselves, they, they, they have, everything has to be done for them, it's just true. They, they, they don't know much of anything, they've got to be taught, they've got to be handled, they've got to be cared for in every possible way. And so what, what happens with a new believer, as, as Peter would reveal there, a newborn babe, as Jesus also would say in John chapter 1, that, that we are born not of the will of man nor of the will of flesh, but we are born of God. And we're this brand new creation in Christ, like Paul would say over in Second Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, no, 2 Corinthians, I was right, chapter 5 and verse number 17, where this new creation in Christ and 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 he says that this person when he when he's made brand new he he walks he starts walking right but as he begins walking because he doesn't know how to drink from the wells of water that spring up unto everlasting life though he has them he doesn't know how to eat from the manna that comes from God though it's present and willingly available to him because he doesn't understand these concepts. He's a newborn baby. He doesn't know how to eat. He doesn't know how to drink. He's got to have help with that. And so it says he, he walks through dry places. And, and the challenge of this is, is that now that everything's become new, it's, it's difficult to understand what's happening. It's difficult to realize the challenges that, that you're going through. Now, if you've been a believer for for a while, or you've even uh, studied up and you, you, you've reached a place where you've become a full-blown Christian and you're out there teaching people, you're out there winning souls. This this state where this guy is or this gal is where you're, you're walking through these dry places, it's really tough for you to to comprehend because there there is no dry place in your life praise god you've got you know where the well is you know where to go to drink now if you're in a dry place it's not because you don't know it's because you've ignored <laughs> that's what that is but but you realize that that you've you've got the you know where the well of water is to go dip your your cup in any time you could drink of those beautiful waters you know where the bread of life is and you You've regularly feasted and you've become strong from the bread of life and the water that, that springs up an everlasting life. But you see this new person who's just entered the faith and they're struggling and you're wondering, why is this so complicated? Why is this so hard? 
I mean, the, the, the bread is right in front of you. The word of God, the water is there. Anytime you lean to prayer and you take a drink, there, it's, it's, it's there. What are you missing? But you've forgotten. You've forgotten the valleys that you went through when you first came to Christ. And, and maybe you didn't have anybody there to guide you and what a struggle it was. Maybe you've just returned to your faith from a period of time of, of being backslidden and, and, and been gone because you hit these dry places and you looked for rest. You wanted to you wanted to have that rest that somebody told you out of the scripture that said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And in fact it said, I will I will give you rest for your soul. And you're longing for that rest because you have this war happening inside of you you've got this flesh that that is upset with you that you've gone against it and have have chosen Jesus and this war of the flesh is battling with the war of your your heart your mind and it's just this constant turmoil and and, and you need someone to share scripture with you you need someone to be able to answer your questions you need someone to be able to help you and you know it but but the people that you've reached out to, they haven't had any answers. Could be because they didn't have any faith, but that's beside the point. They didn't have any answers. And the pastor seems to be such a, a, a figure in the church that you just don't want to reach out to him. You, it's like you just don't want to bother him or you just don't want to... You, you don't want them to think that you're not capable or that you're not able. And so you're reaching out to these other people, but these other people, they really don't have the answers because they, they're in the dry places themselves and they've never sought for help. And they, it's this mediocre situation where you're looking for the rest and you're in these dry places, but because you don't find any rest, but because you don't find any answers. You say, well, at least it was familiar with where I came from was was familiar. And guys, how how horrible is that? Because what what we find in this situation where we say, well, at least it was better the place that I was, was that the place that you were was laden with devils. It was laden with unclean spirits and sin. But that's exactly what was happening to the Israelites. If you think about it, remember when they, when they crossed the Red Sea, they were all, yeah, we've been delivered. Hallelujah. We've been set free from this old hateful uh, Egypt. And oh, praise God. And they, they came to the place where they sent the spies to look out the promised land that God was going to give them. And, and, and they said, oh, man, it's flowing with milk and honey and every possible good food that you could think of to eat. Hallelujah. This is going to be so amazing, except for one problem. There's giants in the land. And then you, you, you'll find that, that God had led them to a place of wilderness and, and that, that 40 years in the wilderness because of their rejection of God's provision for them in the promised land. And the whole time, the whole time, they're, they're just belly aching. And, and what happens is, is regularly they make this statement. Well, at least in Egypt, we had houses. At least in Egypt, we had food. At least in Egypt, we had, so what if we had slavery? So what if we were, we were harshly treated and we were hoping for hundreds of years to be delivered from the hand of such a wicked Pharaoh it's better being out here in the desert to die. <laughs> and these guys, they're so funny. 
And so it, it's the same thing as when they went to the, the they went through these dry places like a wilderness in your life, right? A time where you just don't feel like God's listening to you, even though you're praying and you're looking for rest, but you're just not finding it. And it's not because God's not there, it's because you are fighting against his Holy Spirit. You're fighting against him. That's why you're in that dry place. That's why you're you're looking for rest and can't find it. You're at war with God. You're at war with your flesh. And by the way, you're losing because the scripture said in finding none, it said, I'll go back to my house from which I came out. You remember the house that was loaded with unclean spirit, the house that was loaded with sin, the house that was loaded with all kinds of wickedness and hatefulness. And what happens when you find the house? It's so inviting. It's so wonderful, isn't it? It's been swept. It's been garnished. Hallelujah. It's been cleaned out. Um, it, it's the same as what you would you would think, what you remember. You you receive Christ, you, you've confessed your sin. You, how wonderful it was! What a release it was! What what a what a freedom there was in being able to know that you've been pardoned from those things, you've been gone from them for three, four, six, eight weeks. You've been separated from them. And then your flesh begins to go to war with you. The flesh was fine for a period of time to say, okay, you've got this new thing going on. I'll leave you alone. But when the flesh begins to fight and say, I want my old things back. I want my things again. And, and, and there's a war that ensues against the heart of you, the, the spirit of you that is now in Christ. You, you'll find that that when you go back to that it's like a prime example because i've been on a weight loss uh, situation so i maintain a, a pretty rigid uh, regiment of fasting i maintain that because i know that that if i'm gonna lose weight this is something that i've got to do so i've been very for like two and a half months very careful with the foods i will eat very careful with what's in them looking at labels and if if i'm not certain that even the most beautiful of meals is is going to be within the guidelines that i've set for myself i just won't eat the the meal i just won't come near it i'll do something different even though it was prepared for the whole family it's just driving my wife insane but it's just what I know I've got to do in order to to get to that desired weight goal. But I'll tell you this is so funny is is if you you get into something and the, and and you've gone for a very long period of time it, like it happened to me last night it, you've gone a very long period of time at, without eating any carbohydrates or very little and then you eat some so we were out and about last night and and everybody was hungry so i went off and i, I stopped at taco bell because they have this this what's called a power menu bowl and it's it's basically a a taco inside of a bowl with no shell but inside of this there is some rice and there is some black bean. The rest of it is is perfect. The lettuce and the cheese and the chicken and the, and the sour cream, all of that is perfect, good, edible, no carb, very low carb anyways, is good for you. But the rice and the beans, those are the enemy. But hey, you know, I've been a long time, so I stir this up and I eat this. 
and my body goes, whoa, wow, carbs, yeah. <laughs> and you'd know it by, by like uh, 11 o'clock or around, around 10 o'clock at night, I am starving. I mean, stomach wigging out like maniac, just starving. Now, I know I don't need to eat. There's been plenty of times where I would eat a, a very high-fat and protein, zero-carb meal at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and I wouldn't even be hungry until 2 o'clock the next day. But I put carbs in, guys, and boom, I was all of a sudden hungry again, because the body began to crave that which it once had before. It remembered carbs very well, and it loved those sugars. And so it, it was really trying to communicate with my, my, my brain saying, oh, you want to put some more of these in. Oh, you need more. And then this morning I got up and I was hungry again. And it's like, oh, you got to eat. You got to have this because, oh, I want more carbs. I want more sugar. And that's exactly what this scripture's saying right here. He's saying, you know, I, I, you, you leave the house, you come back. In other words, I, I left carbs for a long time, and then I ate some. I came back to them, and my body said, oh, how pure is this? Oh, how wonderful, how glorious and blessed is this? It, it's swept, and it's garnished. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And what happens to this person? Well, it didn't happen to me because I haven't eaten and I'm not going to <laughs> until the time. But what happened to this person? They fell for the trap. They fell for the hunger. They fell for the, the fall. And look at what happens in 26. Then he goes and takes to him seven other. Well, he got freed from one, but when he returned, he returned with a hunger that was so insatiable that he couldn't stop at one. He took on seven that were even worse than the one before, worse than himself. <laughs> and they came in to him, and they dwelled within him. And the last state of that man was worse than the first. Now, we were talking about dieting. You understand that well if you've ever been on yo-yo diets where you, I've got to lose weight. The doctor said I had to lose weight. You did what they told you and you lost five or ten pounds and you just went right back because you lost weight to eating and all of a sudden you gained 20. The doctor said, what are you doing? I said, well, I, you know, I lost five or ten pounds. He said, yeah, but you put ten more on top of it. You got 20 pounds heavier. Why? Because as soon as you're comfortable... As soon as you're happy with your goal being met, as soon as you're comfortable, you go right back to the pigsty. You go right back to the things that you were doing, only you don't stop and moderate them. You go right back to a full scale to where you pack on more than what you had before. And see, that, that's a reality. If we, we as people, as human beings, right? I'm not, this is every human being on the face of this planet. We are addictive people by nature we we get involved with things and and even to this modern day you consider the 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 time period of time i should say that we're in right now that that a lot of liturgical churches follow called lent it happened last 
Wednesday was Ash, and we're, we've got 40 days before we hit the, the Easter season, right? And so people are fasting, but instead of maintaining the, the reality of fasting, like doing what I'm doing and not eating, because people are like, well, well, I'm just going to fast from Facebook, or I'm just going to fast from Netflix, or I'm going to fast from cable TV, or I'm going to fast. They, they pick all of this stupid stuff, and the reality is, is they never keep it. They're not going to keep it. They can't keep it because they're so addicted to it. But that's the point of food. That's the point of fasting from food, the very core of our addiction. <laughs> you see, we're, we're all addictive by nature. And so we think that fasting from something is going to give us a cure from it or, or, or is going to make us somehow holy or, or, or closer to God from it. But the reality is, is when you quit something, your body is going to pine for it. Your heart is going to pine for it. And, and though you may discipline yourself not to do it, you're still thinking about it regularly as though you have, are doing it because that's exactly what Jesus said. It's the thoughts and intents of our heart that, that, that are revealed before God, not just the activities of our lives. And so though you're not watching this, you're thinking about it all the time, then you're, you might as well because you're not, you're not separated from it. And so the reality behind this is, is that you're really trapped inside of this situation where where you say you're going to separate from something and you, you do that for a time. But when the body or the mind is tired of being apart from that which it, it loves, it's, it's going to drive you incessantly to, to go back into this thing that it, that it desires. And it won't leave you alone. It'll drive you even harder than, than when you originally had, you know, whatever it was you were doing. And so it's very important to understand with this Christian faith, with this with this walk with God, that, that when you begin this walk with God, you're going to face the fury of your flesh. You're going to face the fury of your mind, that 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 unregenerate side of you, that that old nature that, that still exists with you as you've been born again is going to rebel it's going to resist it's going to reject the work the things the the time for god and and you as you have come to this faith have got to realize that unless you bring that thing into subjection to christ you're going to lose that fight but when you lose that fight it's going to be worse for you at the second time than it was when you actually came to faith the first time. Now, a lot of you guys can testify to this because there's several people that are tuned into this right now who who had a point of time where they came to faith in Jesus Christ, but then drifted away. But when they drifted away from Jesus, they got into stuff that was even worse than what they were doing before they came to Christ. And they, and, and they lived a life of riotous and rebellion, and they lived this wickedness through, through their life. And then they, they've, their 50s, 60s, 70s, coming back to Jesus, having lived a life of just outright rebellion, which was maybe even stronger than, than what was before ever coming to Christ. And that's exactly Luke eleven twenty four. To 26. That's a powerful teaching if we soak it in. I love it. And it comes down uh, now to verse number 27. And, and he says, 
And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare you and the paps which you have sucked. In other words, blessed, truly blessed is the woman who, who brought you into this world, who delivered you. Blessed is she. Now, this would be like every Catholic that watches this this message, and I pray that there are some that are on here because I love you guys. There's no question about it, but but I'm telling you the truth. Everyone that's on here who, who has been Catholic or who is Catholic at the moment and, and who, who understands Catholicism. Now, I'm going to draw a distinction between being Catholic and, and being adherent to Catholicism. Catholicism is the, the, the religion. It's the study of the religion of, of the Roman Catholic Church. And the reason why I'm separating those two is because the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church states that Mary is, is venerated, that Mary is, is equal to Christ, if not a little bit above him, as being co-redemptress with Christ. In other words, it's why the the Hail Mary is prayed. It's why we seek Mary to to go to Jesus on our behalf with with our request so that, that we can hopefully get them answered by Jesus because it's recognized that he is the judge. It's recognized that he is the the, the master. But everybody knows that if you want something done with with a mother's son, go to the mother. She'll convince the son, right? And being as that there is also the doctrine of immaculate conception, where it is taught that Mary was sinless in her estate, so that she could bring forth a sinless child, not understanding the connection of the Father at all, nor of the supernatural state of Jesus's birth by the Holy Spirit. All of that thrown aside, they're trying to glorify the flesh, and that's a shame. But they would look at Luke eleven twenty seven, and they would say, Yes, you see, you Baptists are all wrong. Look at what this woman has to say. And it came to pass that, that as he taught these things, a certain woman lifted up her voice and said, Blessed is the woman who bore you. Oh, how blessed she must be that, that, that she would have the privilege of bringing Messiah into the world. I mean, she's got to be this great human being. She's got to be this this person above and beyond the rest of us. She's amazing. Uh, but but verse number 28, you skip. And you got to really catch this. Jesus said, yes, rather. <laughs> now, now what, he, what he's saying there is a, is a very tactful way to tell this particular lady because he's not going to treat her like he does a guy and say, listen, bonehead, you're wrong. He's not going to say that to a young lady. He's going to say, yes, rather. In other words, uh, indeed, God has chosen this my mother to bring me into the world so that I may be a part of mankind. Yes, that she is blessed in that. There's no question. However, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. There you have it. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Now, can you hear what Jesus is saying there? Blessed are they that hear the word of God 
Now, if that's you today, and you're sitting here, and you're feasting on the Word of God, and you hear what I'm saying, you understood from, from Luke 11, 24 to 26, and you understood uh, the nature of, of being cleansed by Jesus, but having a war with the flesh, and, and discovering that how, how easy it is to be uh, overcome in the dry places, and go back to the house of wickedness from which you came, only to be consumed by thing, by a worse wickedness than when you began. And you understand all of that, and you hear the word of God, and you follow it. And this word "keep" is to guard, is to protect, is to is to to embrace, and and you keep it, or as in follow it in your heart. In other words, you might be watching this right now and, and you find yourself in a dry place. But you make yourself determined to say, look, I'm not going to go back to the direction that I came from. I've got to keep going forward. I've got to be with Jesus. I've got to follow Jesus. I can't turn back. And praise God, you just keep going forward even though you're in the dry place and you're seeking for help. You're seeking for answers. Well, praise God, he'll give them to you. He'll, he's there. He's there. He's right here. Can you hear him? Then keep him. And that is a mark of the blessed. So we move down in a little bit of time that we've got left. We're going to hit verse number 29 and, and uh, really work our way down to verse number 32. A hilarious moment. And he said, when the people were gathered thick, together he began to say now here goes jesus again he starts off with his disciples he starts off with a fairly small crowd the next thing you know he's surrounded yet again he's packed up by a bunch of people and jesus began to say oh some words of encouragement some lovely messages he's going to break forth a, a, a a soliloquy of of epic proportions and in a Joel Osteen manner he's gonna speak comfort and he's gonna speak love oh glorious no (laughs) Jesus here here's Jesus's encouragement out of this today he gets this whole group of people piled together and what does he start off with this is an evil generation (laughs) you're an evil people This is an evil generation. You seek a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. (laughs) What? What what sign was Jonah given? Well, let's take a look. For Jonah was a sign unto the Ninevites. So shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. What what was Jonah was a sign? The the walking dead is a sign, (laughs) okay? So we got to look at Jonah for for just a second. You you remember Jonah, that that young man that God came to, who was a, a well known prophet. He was a, a he was a faithful prophet of the Lord up until the time that God said, "Hey, got a job for you. Want you to go to Nineveh." Jonah said, "What? You you want me to go? You know who those people are, don't you?" They're an absolute enemy to everyone, including us Jews. You want me to go over there and speak to them when when I show up, they're just going to simply kill me and eat me? You want me to go there? 
And God said, yeah, I, I want you to go over to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them that I'm about to destroy them, and if they don't repent, every last one of them is going to die. I'm going to send fire down from heaven, and just like I did Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm going to kill them. Jonah goes, yeah, you know, that's a great idea. Why, why don't you just do that and save me the effort of going over there and dying? God said, nah, son, you're going to do what I asked you to do. And go on over to Nineveh, and Jonah said, you know what? Okay, Dad, okay, I get it. I got go to I, I gotta go to Nineveh. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get right on that. <laughs> then he walked away from God, and he went to the nearest seaport, and he said, hey, want to book, book a ticket out of here? Want to go to Troas? Want to go want to go as far into Greece? I want to go over and visit Rome, okay? I, I want to go to Italy. Just get me out of here because Nineveh's behind me, and praise God, I want to go all the way over to Sicily. Let, let's, let's go discover new territory that hasn't been found yet. I want to go to the Americas. <laughs> Forget Amerigo Vespucci. I want to go to America. Praise God. Get me out of here. You know, and and he rejected God's message, and he and he got in the middle of the Mediterranean, and and it ended up in a storm. Of course, he spoke to God because he wasn't paying attention to God until it was all that storm in the ship, and he spoke to God, and God said, "I told you, I want you to go to Nineveh. Now you're either going to go, or you're going to die." Think about that for a second. If Jonah didn't go, the Ninevites were going to die. So Jonah decided, I'd rather see him die. So he went the other way. And then God came to the man of God and said, Now you're either going to go do what I told you to do, or I'm going to kill you. Is that unrighteous? <laughs> Not at all with God. He's perfectly allowed to, to do this as he pleases. He created you. He can take you out of this world. You often hear, you know, my dad used to say it all the time anyways, I brought you into this world, praise God, I can take you out. That's exactly the way God works. He did bring us into this world. He did give our life to us, and he is the one authorized to be able to take that life as he chooses. And so Jonah got ate by a whale, or as it was a great fish. The scripture says a great fish. Could have been a megalodon. My son would be jumping up and down on that. Could have, could have been a megalodon, a, a, a great white shark that's like, the size of three buses. It could have been a megalodon. It could have been a mosasaur. Boy, that'll get him excited. Could have been. But a great fish. Nevertheless, Jonah's hanging out three days as he was alive, but everybody assumes he's dead. I mean, it's kind of hard not to assume that. You hit the ocean as you've been thrown overboard. There's no land for you to be able to swim to, and you get ate by a fish. Uh, the odds are of you being alive is pretty slim. And so they knew he was alive. They saw him die. But here Jonah gets spit out on the seashore at, at three days later. Oddly enough, we see Jesus surrounded by this crowd. He's packed up by these people. Everybody's going to watch him hang on that cross. And everybody's going to hear the words, it is finished. And everybody's going to see that they believe he's dead. But three days later, he's going to be walking down the road to Emmaus. Well, hallelujah, what a sign could you possibly ask for that's greater than that? And, and he says, you're an evil generation because you're totally going to miss it. You're totally not going to see it. You're seeking after something that you're not willing to look for. Now, think about that. Let that soak into your soul, and I'll stop here with Jonah 
and then we'll move down to the Queen of the South in verse 31 tomorrow. But but think about what I just said about this. You're seeking for a sign that you're not willing to look for. So this generation is evil because it's seeking after a sign. It wants to know that this is the Messiah. It wants the fleece to be wet and the ground to be dry or the fleece to be dry and the ground to be wet. They want those signs. But Jesus has already healed the blind. He's already he's already caused the sick to, to be well. He's raised the lame to stand and walk. He's, he's given this man all the way at the beginning of Luke 11. He's given this man the ability to talk from being mute. He's... How many more signs do you need to know that this is Jesus, that this is your salvation, that this is the Son of God? You're not looking for the thing that you're seeking. So you're never going to find what you're seeking for because you're not looking to find it. Is it possible to be in such an oxymoronic state as to be looking for something yet not being able to find it, as to be able to seek after something that you can't obtain because you're not looking for it? Well, it happens to us all the time. It happens to us all the time. And you may be a person today who's been seeking after God's will for your life. You may be a person today that's been seeking after uh, an understanding to a problem that you're having or an understanding for something, anything. You may be a person seeking for something that you just haven't gotten the answer to yet simply because you're not looking for it this whole time. And, and, and the reality behind you're not looking for it is because you know if you find it, then you won't have to worry about it anymore. You won't have to be burdened by it anymore, or you may not like what you find. And so though you still seek for it, you hold your back yourself back from looking for it. So you always have that that statement to make, well, I'm trying. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my best shot. Well, I've I've looked for it, but I, ju- I just haven't been able to find it yet. Well, I'm, I'm doing my best. Well, you've got all of these excuses lined up. But the reality is, is that you have not moved forward because you choose not to move forward. Jesus said, if you seek me, you will find me. If you knock, I'll open. And if you ask... I'll give. But you've got to be real. Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day and for the truth of this message. And we ask you, Lord, to bless it to our souls that it may transform us today. Help those that are seeking you to find you. Help those that are asking you to discover what it is that they're asking for. Help those who are knocking to be welcomed in. And lead those that cry out to you. Save them, Lord. Bless them. Be with us the rest of this day that we may rejoice in Jesus' name. And it will be well with our soul. Amen. All right, guys. God bless you. Keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. And I'll catch up to you tomorrow, 4 o'clock, here at the Preacher's Corner. What a joy. Take care.